Lord, we just thank you that uh, you love us and that your name is a banner over us. It's a safety, it's a protection, Lord God. You are our hope and our shield and our strength in every season. And Lord, wherever we are today and our own journeys and wherever we find ourselves, Lord, we thank you that you love us. You have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And I pray that today your word would speak to us, would encourage us and challenge us, I pray. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. Welcome to City Church. It was incredible to have those dedications this morning. I want to give a, a huge hand to all the families and uh, everybody that was here for the dedications this morning. Welcome. So great to have you. And I thought Tim and Ali did a, a phenomenal job leading the dedications this morning. So well done, guys. That was great. Um, my wife, Amy, is at home with a couple of sick kids at the moment. And so that's all happening at our place. But we still got time to watch the coronation last night uh, for a little while. And like Tim said, a little bit of the footy as well. I hope your footy team won over the weekend. A few wins. We had the Rabbitohs. They're looking pretty good at the moment. Dolphins are looking amazing. What's happening to the Sharkies? I'm not sure. Um, and also, what about who else has played pretty well this weekend? The Newcastle Knights. They've won the bye round. Well done. <laughs> my team. I love it. It's great to see. It's fantastic. And I, I believe the church soccer team won as well on the weekend too. I think it was a 2-1 uh, win as well. So congratulations to the goats. So good. Well, I just want to speak this morning a message entitled, A Clear Conscience. A Clear Conscience. We're going to speak out of Psalm 51 this morning, which is one of the most uh, well-known psalms in the Bible. It's an incredible psalm. It's a psalm of uh, forgiveness as David, King David, pours out his heart and begins to apologize and repent for the sins in his life. And he's directly addressing the sins of um, adultery and, and then murdering the person's um, husband that he had adultery with. And so it's a pretty hectic kind of passage in Scripture but there's some beautiful points in there as David starts to articulate his apology for all that he's done wrong. And the thing about the gospel that uh, I, I love is that the gospel is centered around forgiveness. And Jesus came to earth to die on a cross so that he could die for our sin and our shame so that we could know forgiveness and grace in Christ. That's, that means that each one of us can have hope in God, can have hope in this world because of the forgiveness of our sins. Now, there's a myth that, that is around in our world today that Christians think that they are perfect and that Christians are walking around and, and people would say about the church, the church is hypocritical. Those Christians are hypocritical. Well, I'm here to dispel that myth today and, and say this, I know a lot of Christians and they're not perfect. I know myself when I get up in the mirror and look at myself in the mirror, I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I'm flawed just like everybody else. And the truth about the gospel, the beautiful story of the gospel is that you don't have to be perfect. We are all hypocrites. We are all failures. We are all sinners. But we are saved by grace. That's the story of the gospel. That's the story of the church. It's not a place of perfect people that try to get together and be prideful and look down on the world. It's a place where we have just received forgiveness. We're just as messed up as everybody else. We're on a journey trying to grow in Christ. By the grace of Jesus Christ, we're all trying to grow and develop and become stronger. But it's God's grace that we have all received that has changed the story of our lives and changed the story of the church. 
You know, I was in the uh, supermarket this week and I thought I would do a great thing for my wife and I would do the shopping this week. And so, yeah, it was, it was great. I thought, I thought, this is fantastic. And I forgot how frustrating it is to go and do the grocery shopping. There is so much to it. Hey, and I don't know whether you're like me when you go to the shops and you never should shop hungry. Like, that's a huge rookie mistake right there, right? And so, anyway, I'm going through the shops and I'm loading up the trolley. And I'm getting everything on the list. I'm getting more text messages from Amy saying, don't forget this as well. Don't forget this. A lot of trust for me there. And, and she's sending me all these things that I need to grab. So, I finally, I fill up this trolley. And I'm on my way to the checkout. And then I look across. And it's probably like, I don't know, 8, 8.30 at night. And I look across, and the checkout people, I look up towards them, and this checkout lady just goes, sorry, we're busy. And she's shaking her head. And I'm like, I've packed this thing. Like, it is completely packed, this trolley. So, sorry, we're busy at the moment with a few different things. I said, what? Like, you've got one job, don't you? <laughs> like, to help me through here. And, and she's looking at me, and she's like, no, 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 no. We're a bit busy at the moment. We've got some things out in the back that we've got to do. So she goes, you'll have to go to the self-serve. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I'm packed up with this stuff. And so I go over, I'm, I'm grumbling. I go over to the self-service thing. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to take me forever. And so I, I go over, I grab my 20 bags out that i got to do. And I start flicking it in and I'm, I'm putting it in the bag. And I'm grumpy. I'm frustrated. I'm like, come on, I was doing the right thing by my wife. And now I'm going to spend 45 minutes here in the self-serve checkout. And so I'm going through all of these things and I'm swiping through. I've got the yogurts, you know, those little yogurts that the kids have, the sachets. And, I, and I'm going through, it's like, beep, beep, beep. And I'm going through, putting it in my bag. And then as I'm going through doing this, I notice that one of them didn't beep. And I just put it in the bag. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's their fault because they didn't do it. And, and, I, and, I, and I keep going and I'm going, beep, beep. I got about another five through of these little sachets and the Holy Spirit got me good. And I'm like, ah, I reach my hand back into the bag, pull out the sachet again, and I'm like, (laughs) put it back in the thing. And it got me really thinking about having a clear conscience and thinking about the fact that actually the small things matter to God. It would have been easy for me to do that and walk out from that place and go, I showed them, I got my free sachet, they should have helped me. It would have been easy for me to have that kind of attitude, but the Holy Spirit is in our life to convict, to lead us to all truth, to encourage us, to guide our lives, and we all have access to the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of us to guide and to lead our lives. And I think it's a beautiful thing to walk with a clear conscience, to be able to walk out of that shopping center that night, to be able to go to bed that night, put my head on the pillow, and there's many things I do get wrong, uh, but to be able to, to come before God that night and go, you know what? I've tried to do, to the best of my ability, the right thing. And when we don't do the right thing, to be able to come towards God and say, God, I have made a mistake. I want to apologize. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for all that I've done wrong. You know, Charles Spurgeon says about Psalm 51, that it's the sinner's guide. It shows the sinner how to return to God's grace. And I think we all need that moment in our life where we can... um, get back to the grace of Jesus Christ, to be reminded again that we are sinners saved by grace. I love G. Campbell Morgan said this, this great song talking about Psalm 51, pulsating the agony of a sin-stricken soul helps us to understand the stupendous wonder of the everlasting mercy of our God. 
I love that. I love how it's put there. You know, in, in, in Scripture, David was described as a man after God's own heart. And yet he was the king of Israel and this incredible, mighty king, this warrior king, this king that had taken down Goliath, this king that we hear about his stories in Sunday school, this king that had seen great advancement for the kingdom of God, this king that had done so many great exploits on the earth, but yet he was flawed, he was a sinner, he made mistakes, and one day when he was, when all of his troops were out to battle, he looked across and he saw Bathsheba bathing over on another building, and he called her in and he slept with her. So he committed adultery, and then he found out about this guy's, this, this lady's husband, who was one of his soldiers, and then he made sure that he got killed in battle. And so now he was, he not only had committed adultery, but he'd made it worse by committing murder. And yet, at the end of his life, God calls him a man after his own heart. And it's perplexing for us to be able to understand that when you look at the story of David and you look at the sins that he'd committed, and you look at the story and the history of what he had done wrong. And the beauty of this psalm in Psalm 51 is it's a reminder to all of us that we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. That although we are sinners and we make mistakes, we can have, just like what David had spoken over his life, that he was a man after God's own heart. Not because we are immune from sin, but because when we do sin, we come to God and say, God, I repent. I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. And so I just want to talk about three ways to live with a clear conscience. Or if you want another title, you could say three ways to give a good apology. And so husbands, we may need to know this one. So make sure you're taking notes this morning. First one's this. Number one, honesty. It says here in Psalm 51, I'm going to read the first few verses this morning. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You'll be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment of my mother's conceived me, but you, you're des you, you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. You know, when it talks about mercy here, it says, have mercy on me, is, is the beginning of the psalm. That word mercy, it's translated, when you look at it, it's derived from the Hebrew uh, root word, which is called rayim. And the meaning of that is talking about the womb and talking about womb love, the kind of love that a mother feels for a yet-to-be-born child. And so when David then asks here for God to have mercy on him, he's talking about uh, from a place of love and connection with God, a, a kind of a, a place of intimacy with God, that kind of womb love that a mother would have with their unborn child. He's saying, God, have mercy on me, that kind of love towards me, even though I've sinned and made mistakes, even though you've confronted me from these mistakes. God, show your loving kindness and your mercy towards me. I love what he says here. He says, blot out my stains which is the meaning of that is to erase the record, wipe it away. He says, wash me clean from my guilt, which means to scrub clean, to take this um, sin, deep dyed stain out of my life and to, and to move it away. He says here, purify me, which is a reference to the ceremonial purification in the Old Testament. He wants to be wiped clean 
from these sins and mistakes. And I think we've all found ourselves at times in our life where we have that yucky feeling where we have sinned against somebody. We've sinned against God and we feel horrible on the inside and we feel like we want to be wiped clean. We want to remove this guilt and this shame from our life. And the good news of the gospel is as we come to Christ, yeah, there are consequences at times. There are things that we will uh, need to work through, but in God, we can be forgiven for our sins. That guilt and that shame can be taken away. I love in Proverbs 11 verse 3, it says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Talking about living a, a double life. Talking about a living, uh, not a pure, integrous life. And we all have that challenge to be able to walk in obedience to Christ, to be able to walk in, in, in making sure that we are living out as God wants us to live the purpose of God in our lives. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, he says, Men are greatly terrified at the multitude of their sins. But here is a comfort. Our God has a multitude of mercies. If our sins be in a number as the hairs of our head, God's mercy are as the stars of heaven. And it's an encouragement to all of us. And I want to ask you this morning, are you being honest with God, with others, with yourself? See, God would prefer your honesty rather than your fancy prayers. And David comes in this psalm and he just pours out his heart. He wasn't perfect. He knew he was flawed. He knew the mistakes that he'd made. And he just blurts out this psalm towards God, which was sung as a song. And in fact, the people of Israel would sing this song about David. Could you imagine King Charles today writing a song of the sins that he'd committed, and then together we all sing that song? There's a level of honesty that's taken place. I don't know, even know whether I would have the courage to write a, a worship song about Ben's sins. Let's talk about Ben getting a, a fine. Let's talk about Ben, ben, ben with his yogurt sachets at the, at the supermarket. Let's talk about all the things that Ben's done wrong today. And then not only are we just talking about it, I'm going to get you to stand with me and let's sing together about Ben's sins this morning. That's the kind of honesty that David was having in this psalm. That's literally what was happening. He wrote this song so the people of Israel could sing this song. And I think there's a level of honesty there. I think when it comes to apologizing and coming to God, He doesn't want our fancy words. He doesn't want our fancy stories and our fancy way of just crafting things so that we look better. He just wants us to come with the spirit of truth and say, God, I've made a mistake. In all honesty, God, I'm sorry. I apologize. I ask for forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. God loves that. He loves when we are just true and honest with Him. The second thing this morning is this, humility. It says in Psalm 51 verse 7, as it continues on, it says, David says, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me now. Let me rejoice don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, there's a level of humility in this passage here where he articulates and says, I've sinned. God, I feel broken. God, my sins are many. And the guilt and the shame is there. But he says these words, Create in me a clean heart, O God. 
renew a loyal spirit within me. You know, I love what it says in James 4 verse 10. It says, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. You know, if you look at this passage, there's a number of words for sin that are, that are used in this passage. One of those words is transgression, which means to, to go against or to rebel. Another word is iniquity, which means to bend or to twist. And then there's the word sin, which means to miss the mark. And all of these are used in this passage by David to articulate all that he had done wrong. He was very clear, he's very humble in this moment to say, God, these are all the things, these are all the mistakes that I've made. Know them all. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to frame it in a nice way. God, I just want you to know all that I've done wrong. And in humility, God, forgive me. And I think when it comes to a good apology, we want to be honest, as we've said in, in, the, in the first point. And the second one, we, we want to be humble. We want to be humble and come to somebody, not with pride when we apologize. When we go to God or when we go to somebody that we've wronged, we want to come with humility and say, God, I have made a mistake here. I have messed up. I had the privilege of being at... Uh, 180TC this week for, for chapel with the Tim Campbell. We went out together. And uh, it was great. 180TC is a, a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. And there's a guys program and a girls program. In fact, the, the 180TC guys are going to be here in a couple of weeks' time and, uh, and going to be sharing some testimonies. But uh, we were, had the privilege of being out there at chapel with about 40 or 50 people in a room for chapel. And there's something so beautiful about seeing people together in that environment that are reaching out for a miracle. And they know, they don't need somebody to tell them, they know they are in a difficult situation. They know they are in a place where they are in need of God. They know they're in a place where they're in need of change. They're in need of transformation. There's a humility about them. And as the, the worship team begins to worship, there is worship, nothing like it, that I've experienced even in church, where 40 or 50 people just reach out their hands in that moment. They've come in from all different programs, all different things. Some people have got court orders to be there. Some people have been there by their own choice. But in that moment, they reach out and worship two or three worship songs. I'll tell you what, this, it's the best worship that I've ever been involved with. And people just reach out. And I reckon it's so powerful because there's humility. They're not going in there trying to be prideful and they're not going in there trying to have an appearance to anybody else. They all know they need God's grace. And when the worship team invites them to engage, they just lift their hands and get involved and just worship with all passion and all sincerity. And I love that. And I think that's the way we should live our lives as believers. There should be a humility on our lives. Luke 14, 11 says, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I love in this moment, King David could have rested on his status. He could have rested on his achievements. He could have rested on his fame and his wealth in this moment. He could have said, well, yeah, I have made mistakes, but that doesn't matter. I'm the king. I can do what I want. I'm rich. I'm famous. I have all that, that God's given me, and I'm just going to enjoy that. But yet, in that moment, even the king bowed to the king of kings. The king understood, hey, I, I need to humble myself here. I need to humble myself. And in that moment, as he got down and he humbled himself, that was actually the beginning of David having that heart that said, hey, he's a man after my own heart. If he didn't bow the knee, if he allowed pride to steal that, the story of David would have been very different. Thirdly and finally this morning, accountability. It says here in Psalm 51 verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation 
and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you'll be pleased with sacrifice, sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. What's happening in this passage here is David is showing accountability. He's saying, I can't just pay my way out of this. I just can't sacrifice my way out of this. I need to come to you, God, and I need to repent. I need to be accountable for my actions and to apologize for the sins that I've made. And I think a good apology has those things. It has honesty, it has humility, and it has accountability. When we come to God, when we have those kind of attributes with our apology and our prayers towards God, I believe it's an opportunity for us to be elevated. It's an opportunity for us to be humbled before God. It's an opportunity for us to be walking in the purposes of God, not trying to run out on our own, not trying to uh, live distracted or, or running along the side and, and letting these sins and these things that can sometimes build up in our life, let, letting them build up to a point where we are just buried underneath them. But actually, I think a humbled heart, an honest heart, an accountable heart, they actually don't try to hide these sins. They bring them before God and say, God, I apologize. Here's all the things that I've done wrong. Here's the mistakes that I've made. And God, I come to you and I know that I need your grace. I love what it says in James 5 verse 16. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then it says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So we all need that accountability in our life. I was recently riding on my motorbike a couple of weeks ago, and as I was riding along on my bike, um, my, I lost my back brake, and so I just had my front brake. And I realized the importance of the back brake as I was going down Lapo Hill. And um, I'm, I'm going down the hill and what happens is if you have the front brake and you put that on too tightly, particularly when you're going down a hill or you're trying to stop fast, you can really lift up <laughs> the front. And the back brake is more of a stabilizing brake that you, helps you to be able to do that at the same time. And I think about that when it comes to accountability. We need that accountability to stabilize our life. We need that accountability to help guide our life and create rhythms for it. We can make mistakes and we can be honest and humble, which is like putting on that front brake. But I think accountability is like that back brake that steadies us. When we go to people and we're willing to be accountable, transformation can take place. When we're willing to be accountable, people can start to trust us again. When we're willing to be accountable for our actions, that's actually leadership. That's actually being the leader that God wants us to be. See, accountability, it's part of our lives. I think about all the aspects that I'm accountable, I'm accountable to my wife, I'm accountable to my kids, I'm accountable to friends and to mentors, I'm accountable to my bank with the money I owe them, I'm accountable to a board, I'm accountable to our movement, I'm accountable to God. We all have accountability in our lives. See, what you value, you hold accountable. And I think it's important for us to understand the, the strengths and the benefits of accountability. You know, a few years ago, I was 
when I was working in real estate, I was driving to work one day and um, I got a, a message from someone and I looked down at my phone and I picked up my phone to look at the message and um, the red light had come up and I actually, I actually looked down, I grabbed my phone and then bang, I bumped into the car that was in front of me. Shouldn't have had my hand on my phone. And um, anyway, so we kind of, we kind of ran, went around the corner. It was this little like, um, is it, was it a, a Getz, those really small cars? And so we parked around there and, and it kind of parked around the corner and I'm like, oh no, I've hit this, I've hit this guy's car. And I'm thinking, oh, this is bad. Anyway, this, this Kiwi guy kind of unfolds himself out of the car. I'm like, this looks like a scene out of Transformers. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, like I've hit his car and now I'm going to die. Like this is the last moment before I go to heaven. And so I get out of the car and I go to look up at his car and I'm like, I'm doing last rites to myself. And I'm walking over towards this guy. He gets out, he has a look at this, looks, look at his car. There's not even a mark on his car. My car's got a bit of scratch in the front. It's not a mark on his car. And he just goes, oh, good, bro. No worries, bro. And then he come over. And I, he, the only thing, he stopped short of giving me a hug. He come over and, and shook my hand. I thought he was going to hug me. And then he just jumped back in his car and drove off. And I'm like, what just happened, bro? I'm like, I live. I survived. You know, a lot of people don't stop, not just in a car accident like that, but in their life and have accountability with somebody. A lot of us can do that in our Christian faith when it comes to God. We just move on, move on, move on, move on, move on. There's something beautiful about having a contrite spirit, having a heart that says, oh God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me to be held accountable to God to come to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm flawed and I need your grace. I need your forgiveness in my life. I have sinned. I have made mistakes, but God, by your grace, come and forgive me. And there's a great story in the, finish with this in the um, book of Genesis where it talks about the story of Adam and Eve and they sin before God by having the, the fruit from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they're told not to take this. And then when they had sinned before God and done the wrong thing by God, there's an interesting conversation that transpires in Genesis 3 verse 6. It says this, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some of some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then it's verse 7, it says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Have you ever felt like God's asked you that question? Where are you? I mean, God knows where you are, but where are you on the inside? Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you 
not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Blaming. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. We all love to blame. The things I see here when we don't take accountability, what happened? They wanted to cover up. They wanted to cover up. They didn't know they were naked before, but now they did because they'd sinned. So they tried to cover up. They tried to hide it. Pride sometimes tries to conceal what's really going on. Appearance tries to conceal what's really going on in our lives. What happened as well? They tried to hide. They hid. And God says, where are you? I think what happens sometimes when we don't take accountability, we hide the truth. We try to hide it behind things. We don't let people see in what's really going on on the inside. We compartmentalize our lives. And then finally, what did they do? They blamed. He blamed his wife. His wife blamed the serpent. Everyone was getting blamed. But that's what happens when we don't take accountability. We blame others. And I guess today I want us to come to a place where we say, hey, I want to live with a clear conscience and say, God, I want to be honest with you. God, I want to be humble. God, I want to be accountable. As it says here in Psalm 51 verse 10, as the team come and join me, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalm 51 is an encouragement to us all. Well, that we all need God's grace, even kings, even people as well known in the Bible like King David that had had all these great exploits. He had a moment in his life, many moments, I'm sure, where he had to humble himself and come before God and say, hey, listen, I need your grace, God. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. A prideful life doesn't bow the knee and apologize. A prideful life just moves on. It hides. It blames. It covers but a humble life, a life that God wants to elevate, a life where God wants to uh, rise up and help you become a a man or a woman after God's own heart is a heart that says, hey, I want to be repentant. I want to apologize for my sins. The beauty of the gospel, the Bible says, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the arms of grace we fall into when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's the arms of grace we fall into when we come to know Him personally. And so this morning, what I want you to do is I want to invite everyone to stand with me this morning. Something that we do each and every week is we we pray the sinner's prayer. And I think sometimes we can feel like the sinner's prayer is for somebody else. Oh, it's for that person that's so far from God and look how messed up their life is and And they need to pray this sinner's prayer. I actually think it's healthy for us all to pray this prayer regularly, to remind ourselves, to realign again, to come back to God, to apologize for our sins, to remind ourselves that He is Lord of all. And whether you've been a Christian for many years or whether you're in this room this morning and you're not a Christian, and today is the opportunity for you to become a Christian, to give your life to Jesus, to know Him personally, whatever end of the spectrum you're on. We're going to pray this sinner's prayer this morning, which is just a simple prayer. It's not fancy. It's not some particular formula that we have to pray. It's just our heart crying out to God. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, then we shall be saved. And so simply, we're going to do that this morning. We're going to come back to God. We're going to give God our hearts and our life this morning. And so I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me this morning as I pray it. 
I'm going to invite you to repeat it after me this morning as we pray and come to God in Jesus' name. So dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. For my sins and mistakes, I'm sorry. I receive your love and forgiveness. Help me to live for you and to serve you only all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for every person this morning. Lord, I pray that we would take this message out of Psalm 51 today. For every one of us, we'd be reminded that even kings bow down to the King of Kings. We'd be reminded in this psalm that we are all of need of forgiveness. Lord, help us to live from a place of humility, accountability, honesty, Lord Jesus, when it comes to our relationship with you. Lord, let us not compartmentalize or live at a distance from you. But God, any barrier that may be there, Lord, let us bow our knees again in our heart and apologize to those that we've hurt and loved ones that we have uh, relationship barriers at the moment. God, I pray, give us the humility, the accountability, the honesty to go to one another and apologize in all genuineness, Lord God, so that our relationships would be right with one another and that our relationship would be right with you, I pray. Lord, let your grace and your peace rest over your people. Let us be humble and repentant in heart. Let us be people after your own heart, like it was said about David, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing together this morning before we close. Amen.